Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome once again to Madame Perry's Salon, the podcast that's a that's a literary, cultural uh, salon like they used to have centuries ago in the UK, Europe, and so forth. But mine is in cyberspace, so I say it's uh, it's the podcast where fascinating people meet. Now, one of my first guests on the show. Very hilarious man, Robert Leland Taylor. Uh, if you've read his plays or books, he's, he, if you like Kurt Vonnegut, you'll like Robert Taylor. Uh, the first time he was on, he went back and told people, I've been to Madame Perry's salon. It's like the inside of Genie's bottle. And that has uh, remained with us now that people know. So we're the little Genie bottle in cyberspace and podcast. And I am your host, your groove mistress and spiritual advisor, Madam Perry, but you can call me Jen, Jennifer, JP, Perry. Yeah, don't have to call me Madam. And I'm just thrilled to be here and thrilled that you are too. I wanted to say, um, I've got something to say that uh, some of the recent guests that have been on here and they check back in from time to time. Uh, DC Glenn, who you may know from Tag Team, Whoop, there it is, or you may know him from uh, the Geico commercial, Scoop, there it is, Sprinkles, or from the TV show. Uh, games people play on BET. Um, he's checking back in. He's still busy, and he may be coming back again soon. And that was one of the most fun shows ever. Also, Dave Cos, Grammy Award-winning saxophone player. Um, he is. He still checks in. He was touring, and he says hello to everybody again. And I'm so grateful for all the people I've had agree to be a guest on my show. It makes me feel like the luckiest podcaster or the luckiest gal in the world also who else oh um franny goldie yes franny goldie who who uh designed the magic pants that you've read about in oprah magazine or seen on the view uh and her clothes and you may know her too as a songwriter for songs she's written for people like the commodores night shift uh dreaming selena stick with you pussycat dolls uh you go to her website FrannyGoldie.com. In order to close, at the end, when you get ready to check out, put in the letters M-P-S for Madam Perry Salon, and you'll get a sweet little discount there. And so thank you very much, Franny Goldie, for all the fabulous music, the clothes, and the discount. So, let's see. Oh, and Bruce Sedano. Um, you know, he's been on here a few times, and he's been on tour. I saw him in April as he, he and... Randy Ray Mitchell opened for the Zombies, and then I saw him again at Eddie's Attic in Atlanta. Uh, Bruce Sedano has a new CD out and also a new song, Ode to a Nightingale. You have to hear the song. But it's very good because he's one of these people who's written so much music, and he's just brought um, such a phenomenal performer and writer. And one thing he includes in there was a song he wrote with his wife, um, 
his late wife. It was the day they first met when they were both working for Casablanca Records. This is way back, I know, Casablanca. Uh, but they met the first day, and he was smitten with her already, and they wrote their first song, and it's called Bad Girls. It went to number one on R&B, disco. Um, I think it was also the rock charts, Bad Girls. And, yes, that was Donna Summer. And uh, he's just fantastic. So Bruce is still touring, too. He may be with the zombies, or he may not be with the zombies sometimes. But go and see Bruce Sedano. Um, he's one of our favorite guests and favorite performers. And check. Don't don't miss a chance to see Bruce. He He's just he, he's a charming guy as well as an excellent musician, singer, and songwriter. So now tonight, I am so excited for tonight's guest. Um, my producer, Megan Whitlock, and I really, really, really thrilled to finally have this woman. You know, sometimes you try to get somebody, you try to get something done in your life, someplace you want to go, something you want to have, or somebody you want to get on a show, and it doesn't happen when you want it to. And that's because I always think it happens when it's supposed to. And I think that is definitely the case here. Uh, my guest tonight, she is a screenwriter, filmmaker. I've been following her career for years. And now she's created an incredible app for writers called Notes Community. And so before me just talking about her films and her awards, et cetera, I'm going to just bring her in first so I can introduce to you screenwriter, filmmaker, app creator, and Probably just all-around Wonder Woman, award-winning filmmaker, Jennifer Dunn. Welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. Oh, Madam Perry, thank you so much for having me. Wow, it's beautiful here. I love how you can see all the stars outside your window. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, people don't usually mention that, I guess because they're always talking about the uh, the big cushions, you know, and the kind of Moroccan decor. But I like being able to look at the stars. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's a very nice backdrop. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute delight. It really is. And uh, you certainly, I mean, as I said, I really have been following your career um, and your films and so forth, and it's so impressive. And now you've created an app. So I don't know where to start first. you want to just start with your films, your screenwriting, or then we'll get to the app? Sure. Let's do it. And no, like you said, we have been trying to make this happen for a long time. And you're right. I think finally I have, I think I feel like I have something to talk about now, I think is what, <laughs> what's happening. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you feel like things sometimes happen when they're supposed to happen? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that yeah. actually kind of has been sort of a theme through my whole screenwriting and film career, honestly. So yeah, yeah it's funny that you, you mentioned it. Yes. So again, another coincidence. Uh, <laughs> no, so for sure. Yeah, well, I'm, as, as um, I'm in Atlanta, and as pe- a lot of people know, Atlanta has become a very big a screenwriting, filmmaking, or filmmaking community, more filmmaking than screenwriting, I should say. Mm-hmm. And back in about 2019, which I guess is three years ago now, um, I just met some filmmakers. I went to a local film festival up in Canton, Georgia, which is where I'm from, close to up in North Georgia. And just, you know, I, I was kind of at a, you know, a little bit of a crossroads in my life trying to figure out, hey, what do I want to do next? What do I, what interests me? And filmmaking and writing, screenwriting, writing for television, they just all sort of sounded interesting. So I went to that film festival. I met some people at Clayton State University, which is south of Atlanta. They had a um, film class. And I said, you know what, I'm this film class is happening in a couple months. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to take a film class. I'm going to learn how to make films. And really, the rest was history from there. It, it's pretty amazing. I really couldn't recommend that program at Clayton State University highly enough either. Wow. 
yeah. Clayton State, I hear a lot of great things going on there. Um, they seem to have a lot of very, very forward-looking people putting programs together. So, okay, so then you take the film class. Mm-hmm. And then... And so in that film class, um, you are able to... you make, Well, you actually make films. So, like... I, I love education. I would be in college forever if I could. But, you know, a lot of times in education, you just kind of you learn about stuff. You know, you don't actually do it. And so mm-hmm. that is what really got me excited about this program was you actually make films. So you, um, you just everybody, like you said, there's a writing class and you write a movie, and then people kind of vote on what movies you want to make, like what's kind of going to be easiest. You know, a movie with two people in one location is a lot easier to make than a movie with helicopters and explosions and volcanoes and things like that, especially in a, in a class. <laughs> yeah, something you learn pretty fast. And especially, you know, a lot of, I was, it was me, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not college age. It was me and a lot of college age kids, like traditional college age kids, let's say. And a lot of them really like their sci-fi and their, their explosions and their blood. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, you learn, you learn very fast. Like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this uh, this helicopter into our shot in our student film where we're going to spend maybe 500 bucks on it. <laughs> but yeah, and so I got to make uh, my first movie in that class. It was called Why Doesn't She Leave? At the time, or actually, so right before I was the board chair of the Cherokee Family Violence Center. So domestic violence was big on my mind at that time, and I just, um, you know, so, you know how sometimes um, ideas come to you out of the blue. One day, out of the blue, an idea came to me to show sort of the, the progression of a domestic violence relationship. So when people – I know I'm getting kind of deep and dark here, but a lot of times when domestic violence happens, people say, well, why didn't she just leave him then? If it was so bad, why didn't yeah. she just leave? And I was yeah. showing sort of the progression, how a, an abuser, you know, she, he gets her psychologically. Now, it's often her. It can be him as well, but it's, it's often her. It's more often her. And an abuser can, you know, get, get this – his victim to stay with him. So I showed just through five little scenes, just sort of how, you know, he breaks down her, her morale and her confidence and, and why somebody just, it's so hard just to leave an abusive relationship. And that turned out to be, um, it turned out to be great. I mean, I watch it all I see as the flaws, of course, because that's, you know, that's how you are with your own creating your own baby. But yeah. And it won um, best student film at the Cobb international film festival and we were just super excited about that. And, yeah, that just got me in the filmmaking bug. I got to produce. I got to help with the production. I got to, kind of got to see every side, you know, doing the lighting, doing the, doing the shots, the art department. So doing the, the sets, the props, I'm doing all the decorations. And it just really made me realize that making a movie is almost kind of like being a kid again. Like you're with, you get all your friends together and you play. <laughs> and it was just really – really fun and I just I would not give it up for the world now you know what's so funny about that is that uh back in the I guess the late 80s early 90s when uh, uh oh we got cable television and being able to go and produce your own cable show was popular oh, yeah. and I had one and I had a lot of local musicians on and stuff and different things and sometimes I'd write a sitcom and use local drag queens and musicians as my actors because because they could improv pretty well, and uh, and people would say, "Oh my God, you know, you used to be so shy, but you, how could you do a TV show?" And I go, "You know, you're in there, and it's just your friends on the. Ca- you don't see anybody else. You just see your friends that are in the control room, your friends that are a crew, and it's just like you've got your friends in your basement having a pretending to have a TV show." 
Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And also, I want people to know, too, a lot of times people will tell me, hey, Jennifer, can I come watch you guys shoot this film? Can I come, you know, watch it? And I'm like, y'all, it's really like watching the sausage get made. It's not very interesting to watch from the outside. Now, when you're inside it, it's great. But from the outside, it's just like they're doing that again, and they're doing it again. Now, they slightly moved a light, and they're doing it again. Gosh, how boring. But no, but from the inside, it's very, very fun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's very, very, very different. Unless I'm just, I, I can't imagine being an observer and see. It's just, uh, it would be a different thing. I know just from doing background work and stuff in Atlanta. Um, yeah, you're in it, so you get to see, and it's exciting when you're in it. And then sometimes it's not all that glam. Um, and I'm speaking as somebody who worked a week, night show. Uh, 12 to 14 hours during the night, the end of October, when it's 25 to 30 degrees on that um, 4th of July town carnival scene in Stranger Things. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. See, that, I cannot imagine being on such a big production, especially like an outdoor spectacle kind of thing like that. Yeah, but they have to get so many shots. I bet they had the cranes going and everything out there. How, oh. Oh, they did. It was fantastic. But the thing is, it's 25 degrees, and it's nighttime shoots, and we're all dressed like it's 4th of July. So um, <laughs> I felt like I had a dress, but a you know, short sleeve dress, but I started wearing long underwear under it, and I would pull my sleeves up and my legs up before we before they called us back, and, uh, you know, when they go place or whatever. And that, But I remember these kids, they had these young kids in those little tiny outfits they used to wear, like uh, those, uh, well, I call them the Tom Selleck shorts. And knee oh, sure. Yeah, I know what you mean. Those little short shorts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tank tops. And I remember this little, these two kids are about 18, 19 years old. And they looked at me and they go, and they're, God love them. They're freezing. And they're shaking. Oh. And they said, is this how people really dress back then? And I said, <laughs> and I wanted to make them feel better. I said, yes, sweetie. That's when club drugs became popular. Because how else could somebody dress like you get laid? So... <laughs> How did they react to that? <laughs> I think they weren't sure if I was kidding at first. So I think they tried to laugh, but their teeth were chattering too hard. But they were a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's one of those things, too, like being in a college student that's older than the other college students, like I was as well. Mm-hmm. It's like once you get the scene like that, it doesn't matter how old you are or where you come from. You're all in there together. and You're all pals. You're all in the foxhole together. But, yeah, exactly. you're right. It's different when people want to watch you and go, well, when does this happen? When are you going to do that? It's not what you say, but but when you've got the, you know, I'm, I'm trying to imagine, this is what I want to ask you about. When you have a vision, um, you know, you get the idea for something and then you uh, start your magic, start your ideas, jotting ideas, work up a script and, and uh, you know, be, I don't know, beginning, middle, end, message, whatever, and then see it all come together with all the parts has got to be a pretty heady experience. It's so heady. So there's, there's a couple things I want to say about that. So first of all, yes, I mean, that's amazing. You, you know, you write words. I'm, and this is a weird thing for a filmmaker to admit, I am not extremely visual as a person. I really do think more in words than pictures, even though, you know, I love screenwriting for film. So obviously I, I do want to see pictures of, of visually, but working with a very good director of photography um, that person can just really, you know, elevate what you like. I'm like, all right, I want to see these guys talk to each other. He could be like, all right, well, you know, but what if we, we see them from over here behind this plant, you know, Oh, that really changes everything or whatever. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's a silly <laughs> example, but I, that just having these other people, it just really kind of, it becomes more than the sum of its parts. So I, I'm working on, I'm pre-production on a movie right now. And I, 
I sat with my director of photography and producer, and we just walked through it. I walked him through every scene. I was like, this is what I see here. This is what I see here. But I saw my DP, his, um, his just brain was working, and I know that he's already thinking of ways to make it better. And knowing him on the day, he's going he's gonna to see two actors talking to each other, or he's going to see you know, a candle or a plant or something like that, and he's just going to have a great idea about how to make that look a million times better than I ever could have done on my own. And that is just such a cool, it's such a cool thing. Like I still, you know, it's still my vision, it's still my blueprint, but it could not, I couldn't do it all myself. There's never in a million years could I do it all on myself. And so it's, yeah, it's, it really becomes more than the sum of its parts, which is, I mean, it's all inspiring and just how smart people are. Like in every, and I'm not talking just about camera people either. I mean, lighting, wardrobe, art department, uh-huh. how everybody is really good at their job, or even if, you know, even if it's their first time maybe doing that job, everybody works so hard and tries so hard. And just really, I think when you're on a movie set, you, you know, you have a big safety speech at the beginning of the day. I know, I know you have that too when you're, especially like uh-huh. on something like Stranger Things, saying, hey, uh-huh. you know, don't, don't touch these cords. You can get electrocuted. Don't get hit by <laughs> a, you know, a, a crane or whatever. And yeah, so everybody just takes their job so seriously on a film. I think, and it's because everybody knows, like, hey, we're spending a lot of money. Time is money. We got to move, move, move. It just, yeah, I, I've been doing this for three years now, but I've never really lost the wonder of it, and I, I hope I never do. Oh gosh, no, no, I don't think you will. Um, I, I can tell because there's so much energy. I mean, we're we're not even in the same room, and I can feel the energy when you talk oh. about this. So your first, let's go that first film though, like you said, heavy subject, uh, abuse. Why doesn't she leave? And I think this is so important because it is something, and and as you know, I guess we've all read stories in the last couple of years, and especially during uh, people being locked down or quarantined during pandemic, mm-hmm. people in situations uh, like that have had an even more difficult time, or they've yes. been quarantined with their abuser. And it is easy to look from the outside and say, why doesn't somebody just leave and not understand it? Mm-hmm. And so that had to be, and I, I can't imagine making a film like that when you're going through the scene after scene. I, I can't, I don't, I can't imagine that you would ever get uh, desensitized or numb to the subject matter, even doing the scenes over and over. But still, you know Absolutely. it's important. And also, the good thing about that too was I'm again, I'm I wasn't the oldest person in my class. There were people of all ages, but I was, you know, there. I, a lot of the, a lot of them were college age kids, maybe kids who were even going to do this rather than go to college. They wanted to learn like a film trade rather than go to you know four year college, which is cool, good for them. Um, but some of these kids, they've not really had that experience, or they may even be those people that are still young enough to just look at somebody in an abusive relationship and say, well, why don't you just leave them then? Not mm-hmm. not really understanding sort of the nuances or something like that. So I had I ended up using. Uh, one of the kids in the class, he was only 19 years old as the director of that film. And he came back and told me, he said, look, I never had thought about this in a million years. And now this is, it's a subject he still passionately cares about. And I was oh. so glad just, you know, even one person had to be able to yeah. educate him on that. Oh, that's fantastic. That's, that's, that's the power mm-hmm. of, of the art that you create. That's the power of it. That makes the say, you know, I think I remember an acting teacher once said that in, in the arts, um, he said, "Sometimes we are the priest of our culture, and I think that it, I had to I had to try to figure out what he meant by that. But I think that that applies here. Would you say? I, I, yeah, I've never thought of that, and I really, really love that. 
it's so true. It's really, it's almost like, I think it was Borges that said, like, write about your corner and you'll be universal. So, like, write about this one thing that you care about or you kind of know about and you'll, as long as you write it very true, then other people will pick up on it, even though that is not at all their experience. And, yeah, I think that, I think that's very, very true. And definitely what I try to do with my art, for sure. And why doesn't she leave? Okay, it won uh, Best Student Film at the Cobb International Film Festival in 2020. Yes. Yeah. I believe it was, yes, 2020. Yeah, and um, it's amazing. Well, now you've got other films and other things to talk about. What other – do you want to talk more about films or, or the process or the writing? Oh. And the thing is – and see, the two – I've got to make sure that you have a good time here because I want you to come back. <laughs> I already know. I know. We won't make it take 10 years like we did last time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm having a great time. Um, I guess – like, one thing, I don't know, you got me thinking about my, my student days now, which, of course, I'm still a student. I've been doing this for three years. I have plenty of things I need to learn. Um, but I think, you know, if anybody is hearing this and thinking, oh, wow, I want to be part of a movie. I want to be, you know, one of those people that becomes, you know, big, something that's more than the sum of all its little little people parts, then mm-hmm. I would recommend that people just, like, A, take classes at, you know, Clayton State University if you're anywhere in Atlanta, which is, you know, not everybody, of course. Um, but, B, just try to get on a film set somehow. And I think it's one of those things where a lot of people are like, well, I, I have no idea how to get on a film set. I know zero people in related to film whatsoever. Um, but if you put it out there, the film industry is it's so like, wide-ranging. You put mm-hmm. it out there and say, hey, you know, I would love to get on a film set. I would love to be a PA. I would love to just come observe for a couple hours or something like that. You put that out there on your social media. You, you know, ask everybody you know. Those opportunities do come up for you to get on a film set. So if anybody has found, you know, found this interesting, if this has piqued your curiosity at all, then I do recommend you trying to get on a film set and just seeing, you know, how it, how, how it goes for you because I think film is becoming more accessible to everybody nowadays. It's still, you know, it's not cheap. It's, it's still expensive, but it, it is more accessible. And there's, you know, there are free editing softwares. You can shoot things on your iPhone. They may not look the greatest, but you also have to start somewhere. <laughs> Is the other thing. You can't, you know, your first one, like my first one, why doesn't she leave? I look back on it and I see every flaw in it. But you have to start somewhere. I didn't do mm-hmm. anything great the first time I did it. So, yeah, I just want to, I just want to, I don't know, kind of evangelize. I think you got me with that priest comment. I want to evangelize filmmaking. And yeah. If it interests you. <laughs> why not? I mean, it, it does matter. You know, we have to, um, well, I'm not a screenwriter, uh, or filmmaker like you, but I feel like the artists do have to, you know, you observe and you try to, to extract what is the truth and, and what is the thing that people think are truth or not, and then find a way to uh, return that as far as an image, things that people can think, make, make people think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the, I guess the other thing I would say from that too is just when it comes to accessibility is screenwriting was, or screen, well, filmmaking and screenwriting, they were also both a very you know, upper class, you had to be in Los Angeles, you had to have enough money to go to Los Angeles and live there and survive. And, you know, not, not just work, you know, all hours <laughs> of the day to afford your rent. But it is becoming a little bit more democratized these days, which I love to see. And I think we are seeing just more stories from people who maybe, you know, can't, they couldn't make that, couldn't make it in LA, they don't have time, or they're at home taking care of young kids or parents, or they're disabled or something like that. But um, it is getting way more democratized. And there are a lot more options for all people now in the film industry even if you are and if you're i it doesn't sound good to say just a screenwriter i mean a screenwriter is the most important person in a film because you don't have anything until you until you have a screenplay you can't do anything else 
But yeah, you're just a screenwriter. You can do that now from Atlanta. You can do it from the North Georgia mountains. You know, where, where I am, you can do it from <laughs> anywhere now, which is, is, it's just great. I'm just, again, I'm over the moon about it. And I think there's so many opportunities out there for folks. Yeah, I think I've still got a book that I bought 10 years ago about uh, becoming a screenwriter. And one of the first things the guy says on the first page of the first chapter is you have to live in L.A. and you have to be young. And if you're not young, you have to look young. (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. thankfully, you know, maybe out there it still is true. But thank goodness um, things are changing and you don't always have to be there to make films. Exactly. What gives you the um, – I'm looking – if I could just uh, read the title of some of your other films. Uh, Baby sure. Shoes, Flash Drive, um, this is coming up, um, Grandpa, which is a, a horror film called Grandpa. Yeah. Now, you know that's going to be <laughs> – that's going to be one of those, you know, keep the light on all night type of movies. Um, I hope so. What <laughs> – uh, what do you see? Do you visualize the picture first, and when you go to write the script, um, just tell us a little oh. bit about. Don't give away all your I secrets. I love where you're going with it. What it's like. Okay. Yeah, this is a good question. I love hearing about other writers' processes, and of course, I will talk about writing at length forever. Uh, so, which I'm so glad you asked me on your podcast, Madam Perry. Um, yes. But yes, a lot of times for my my films, I just get. I, like the idea for short films, especially the idea just comes to me in a flash. That's what has happened with these past films. It was just uh, domestic violence and just kind of like the five stages, you know, the stages of a domestic violence relationship. Baby Shoes is about, unfortunately, um, infant mortality, and which is another you know problem we have here in, in Georgia, sadly, where I live. Um, and then, yeah, Grandpa, same thing. It just, interestingly enough, it's a horror film. But it is based on a true story from my family, like a, a true sort of sad horror story, ghost story. And I guess I'll tell it to you really quick. Um, okay. When we, my little sister has cerebral palsy. She she can speak. She can um, she can't walk, so she does use a wheelchair. But she's she's disabled. And then when I was young, me me and her were sitting in the you know sitting around with my grandpa, and he just told us this horrible story. I never know why he told us. Basically that. You know, somebody back in our family's past a long time ago, they had a baby who something was wrong with the baby when it was born. They would, you know, back then they would have called it, you know, a crippled child or something like that. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't say that today. And he just locked them in the room and uh, let them pass away because he, did, he didn't want to have a disabled child in the family. Of course, me and my sister, who's disabled, we were like, oh, my God. She was really young, though. I don't think she got mm-hmm. that. She got the story. But still, it was just like, oh, my God, this is a horrible ghost story in our family. And then um, later on, my little sister, she was telling my mom, um, um, she was looking up in the corner of her room. She's in bed at night and saying, Mom, I see a ghost in the corners. There's Grandpa. Grandpa Gerard is up there. And so she's apparently seeing the ghost. I know. I know. And so just whatever, you know, me and my mom sitting around telling stories or whatever, we mentioned this ghost. And for whatever reason, I remember that other family story about this terrible man who has, you know, killed his, his child, which is an awful, awful story, you know, awful, supposedly mm-hmm. true story. And um, I just put two and two together, and it just came to me in a flash. I was like, what if that ghost was the same guy, and he was coming back and trying to kill my little sister? Now, obviously, that had happened. She's very much alive, thank goodness. But I was like, well, what, you know, what would it be like? So Grandpa is about a nonverbal and quadriplegic little girl who must, on her own, defeat the ghost of her ancestor who is coming back to try to purify his bloodline by murdering her. Wow. 
<laughs> Does it sound scary? I was going to keep you up at night. Ooh. <laughs> it creeps now. <laughs> I know. It really creeped me out when I thought of it. And I was like, oh, Jennifer, where, where did this come from your brain? You know, <laughs> how did this happen? But it is. That's how my, my films come to me. They just really come to me in a flash of an idea. And then I generally, for the short films, I can write them pretty fast. Now, short films, of course, they're, you know, they can be up to 30 pages, but they're generally 10, 12 pages. So, yeah, and that, that's what I generally do. And then, of course, the thing about film is you have to write for productions. So, for example, you don't want to have too many locations. Otherwise, you're just running all around the countryside trying to film at these different locations. You don't want to have too many actors. So the next part of writing a short film, after you kind of have the idea and you write it down and you kind of write it, you know, as fanciful and fun, and again, all the volcanoes and the helicopters and stuff like that, the next thing you do is look at it with a producer's eye toward money, toward actually can I film this, and then you sort of start compressing things. You take away locations. You say, hey, maybe this scene that took place in the bedroom, it can take place in the living room with all these other scenes. And mm-hmm. this actor, you know, that could be the same, the same character can say those two lines instead of having a, a totally new character come in, you know, to give us this information or whatever. And so from there, you, you kind of, you know, you write it big, you write it expansive and as fun and fantastical as you want, and then you come in and with your red pen and you slash it down to something that you can actually create. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you're talking about taking, you know, uh, uh, the logistics, the how, the where, and how much it's going to cost, you just took my mind back to the movie Bowfinger with Steve Martin. Oh, I never saw that one. Tell me. Okay, so what is this guy? He, okay, Steve Martin's a filmmaker, but he wants so bad to make a film, he's got no money. So first he goes <laughs> to pick up his um, his cinematographers. And which means that he drives his van to the border and gets some people who have just crossed the border. So they're having to drive away from the gunfire. And then he oh, no. gets his, uh, he can't get the uh, actor he wants, the main, the star, the big star, which is played by Eddie Murphy. Oh. But what he does is he tells his actors that he does have, he says, okay, he's agreed to do it, but he has some requirements. He doesn't want to speak to you outside of the set. He doesn't want to rehearse, and he doesn't want to take more, do more than one take. So what he does is he gives them their lines and finds out where he's going to be because he's got a friend that works at the studio. And uh, wherever this guy, Eddie Murphy's character, is having lunch or something or, or buying clothes, they show up and start saying things to him. Oh, how funny. You know, and, uh, and of course, he's just gotten out of some kind of a cult type thing, so he's still a little on edge mentally. So he's all freaking out. Oh, no. And now he's in a movie yeah. without knowing it. And they just have to go, yeah. Yeah. Oh, how funny. <laughs> Listen, it, it's funny you should say that because when you're trying to get something funded, which I've been lucky enough to crowdfund, so just you know, raise money from family or friends or self fund anything I've made so far. But if you're trying to get something funded, a lot of times that is the most important thing is having attachments. So having a big-name actor or a big-name director or a producer that has been known to make a lot of money. A lot of times, uh, the sort of the bigger production companies, they're very conservative. They want, you know, they, they want somebody who's already kind of a proven moneymaker. They're not just going to, you know, to give me, somebody who walks in off the street, you know, a bunch of money to make a movie. They want those attachments. So that's hilarious. Yeah, that, that totally checks out that he had to have uh, Eddie Murphy attached to his movie, even if unbeknownst. Even if he didn't know. So anyway... <laughs> That's so funny. What there? Um, oh, so then that brings another question to me. If you would explain, I think I know what this means, but if you'd explain it to me. So with the attachments, 
Okay, what is meant by the term a tent pole? Oh, oh gosh. You know what? I am not sure I could actually tell you that. I think it does have to do, though, with like, attachments and things like that. But, yeah, I, you know what? That's, I'm not the best one. I also can't really tell you what high concept means, crazily enough. Like, I get it. I think it just means that, like, something you can easily find a concept, like, you know, Ernest Hemingway lives in the 21st century. You know, that's a high concept. It's something you can yeah. easily conceptualize. But, like, I, yeah, temple, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as sure on that one. There are so okay. many slang terms. I just, I'm not, you know, I, I can't remember them all. I just figure it meant that it's going to make enough money to keep the, uh, keep the roof over the head, at, over their heads at the you studio. Know, maybe that is up. what it means. Maybe that is what it means. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So many freaking slang terms. Oh my gosh. Okay. Listen, I want to stop right now and say, if you are listening right now live, and this is May the, May the 19th, 2022. 8.32 p.m. GMT minus 5, or is it 4 with the time change? Uh, and you want to talk to Jennifer Dunn, screenwriter, filmmaker, and creator of the app Notes Community. You just give us a call here at 646-716-9922. That's 646-716-9922. And just give us a call. Also, if you're someplace where, Jennifer, I've been here, I don't know about you, but a place where you can't uh, make a phone call because of work or whatever, you can always send a message either through Madam Perry Salon on Facebook or Jennifer Maudette Perry. So we do have a call here. And hi, welcome to Madam Perry Salon. You're on here with me and filmmaker Jennifer Dunn. So introduce yourself. Hi, 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 Jennifer. This is Diana Bowaras, and I'm so happy to be on your show. And I see you have amazing guests today, a fellow filmmaker and scriptwriter. Oh, my gosh, my Diana. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad you're uh, Jennifer, this is uh, Deanna Bella Rose. She is a writer. Uh, she is also a screenwriter, filmmaker, uh, oh. musician, singer. She does. Th- this woman makes me feel like the most slack slacker in the world. So oh, we need um, to know each other then, of course. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, and she also has a, a podcast and radio show. So. Oh well, hello, Diana. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? Oh, very good. This has been the most fun. I just feel like I'm sitting around in um, in a, my living room or a salon just chatting. <laughs> so my question is this for you. How could you um, bring your script to the right people so you can, you know, turn it into a movie that the world is going to be able to see it? What is the way to do it? Oh, what what a great question! And also, that's like the that's the literal you know million dollar question. Um, yes. So she Diana asked you know how do you how do you get your script in front of the right people? How do you get it to the world? Mm-hmm. And first of all, a lot of times you need representation to do that. When I say representation, when it comes to screenwriting, I mean a manager or an agent. Um, they do slightly different things. A manager more helps you figure out what to write you know, how to develop something that you've written. Maybe you've written something, but if it, you know, if you change the main character from, you know, oh gosh, this is terrible, but, you know, from a man to a woman or a woman to a man or something like that, then it would it would fit something that a studio was looking for, let's say. Um, or, and then the agent, they're more like, they're the people that make the deal. So you, you know, maybe get, um, you already get an offer, then you an agent would come in and help you make sure you get enough money and make sure you don't get, you know, pardon my phrasing, but screwed over. By some kind of some kind of you know small print in the contract, <laughs> but so there that's 
having those guys on your side is very, very helpful. That's the route a lot of screenwriters go. Um, to, in order to attract an agent or a manager, you know, you can query them or you can, you know, say you have a friend who has an agent or a manager, you think that you would be a good fit for them, maybe they would recommend you, or you can, um, you know, you meet them out there organically through your networking. All three of those things have happened to me. I've also met them through um, winning screenwriting competitions. But basically what you need is a, a really, really good script, a script that's ready, which I know it sounds kind of funny to be like, hey, to, to, to get somebody who's going to help you fix your script, you need to have a really good script already. But that's just sort of, that's one of the many kind of chicken and the egg things that happen in the screenwriting community. So you have to have kind of that raw, natural talent. And then you can attract an agent or a manager. Now, also, I know so many great writers who do not have an agent or a manager. And I know, you know, and I've read scripts that are kind of out there in the world that I was like, what, what is this? Why, how did this get made? While <laughs> other wonderful scripts I've read are just languishing on the shelf. So there's a lot of business kind of, you know, business reasons too, or just you know, networking reasons maybe, and I'm, um, things like that, that things will get made. But yeah, having an agent or a manager, and then from there, they will help you shape your career. They will, they have the connections you should have to, to meet production companies, uh, to meet, you know, producers, directors, and actors, and things like that to attach to your project to get out there. But yeah, I think that would be my, if you, if you have a good script ready to go or two or three good scripts ready to go is even better. I would recommend getting out there and trying to find yourself a, a manager or an agent. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's what I need. Definitely a manager or an agent. And it's not very easy route actually. Mm -hmm. And I have two scripts. I have written two scripts and I guess oh, I need a connection. Yeah. And Perfect. I also, yeah, shot my short movie at that one on Film Free Well by 65 awards from all wow. over the world. Wow. Wow. Oh, I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I guess we are going to keep in touch and I'm going to get the information from Jennifer, if you don't mind. Okay. And oh, no, if of you course, yeah. Talk. Jennifer, please put us in touch. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm the connector. That's okay. what I do. I'm your auntie. I'm your auntie Mame. I'm the connector. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. <laughs> I've got that on my business card. I'm the connector. So uh, yeah. it gives me delight when I have people in my life that I'm fortunate to know or to meet that I just find enchanting, and I think that one uh, that two can benefit each other. That is my. I just get a real buzz out of doing that. So, yes, I will do it. Okay. All right. Now, don't tell everybody because I can't do this for everybody, but just some, you know. <laughs> okay, we won't say it on live on the radio then. Oh, God, no. <laughs> All right. Yes, I will. I will, Dion. I'll make sure that you have uh, each other. I'll introduce you to each other on social media so you can connect. But uh, best of luck with everything you're doing, too. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for the amazing advice. I really appreciate it. And I wish both oh, of you an amazing evening. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I appreciate you too. I really do. So thank you so much, Diana. I know. I, You're I welcome. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. She is oh, such right. a sweetheart. Um, oh, yes. I've got just a quick message, and then I want to come back and talk more about. Oh, and let me just say, too, you participated in the Center Story TV Writing Fellowship in 2020, yes. New York Women in Film Writers Lab 2021, the Sundance Episodic Intensive in 2022. And if they go to your website, which is copperheadmedia.com, they can get all the cool information about they, meaning anybody that goes to it, uh, 
We'll get lots of cool information about you and a link to your impressive IMDb page. But if I need to take just about 45 seconds right now and uh, play a message, and we can get some more water or something and be right back. I think you might know this guy in the message. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I mean, the world has gone crazy, right? I mean, this whole pandemic, I, I, I don't even know if I'm coming or going anymore. You know what I mean? But the one thing during the pandemic that I found out, right, that was a good thing was the Madame Paris Salon. I mean, this podcast, right, when you hear her laughing, all you want to do is laugh, right? When her dog's barking in the background and she's talking to the dog, I'm like, she's going to an interview, and I'm like, this podcast is the best podcast I've ever heard before. You know what I mean? Now, isn't that sweet? Oh, <laughs> the sweetest. You know Sebastian Maniscalco, the comedian? Uh, no, I don't. Of course not. You're too busy doing really important stuff to keep up no, with everybody you, else. You on know TV. everybody. It's actually a uh, it's actually a voice actor. Uh, he does a good. He does these things for me. Yeah, oh, yeah. See, how funny. see. Okay. And I think that fits in with the filmmaker thing. Sometimes you can't always do it the way you want it, but you can find a simpler, uh, less expensive way to do it. And that was my way. Yes, indeed. So, yep. So <laughs> let's let's get on to um, notes community. Tell me about this app, what it is, who it's for, what it does, and why did you right. come up yeah, with no it? No community. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's this is my baby. So basically, well, first of all, let me just say what it is so people don't wonder. It is a an app. Um, you can it's free. Notescommunity.com. You can go there. You can sign up for free. You're, we're not going to sell your information. You can read our privacy policies and all that. Um, and go in there, and you can find a screenwriting group. And so the, and the reason I made this app is, well, first of all, I was able to because I come from a tech background. So I, ha- I had the know-how to, to do it with uh, the help of some friends. But the main reason I made it was because when I hear a lot of I – listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. And when I hear other, um, like, more successful writers than me talk, they often talk about their writer's group where they meet and they workshop their scripts and they just, you know, they sharpen each other's writing skills and they make each other better. And I just, back in the day, I kind of felt like I was the only person in the world who doesn't have one of these screenwriters groups. So I just sent out a tweet and asked people, hey, how'd you find our screenwriters group? And so many people replied to me and said, I have no idea. I didn't find one or I can't find one or I wish I had one. And so I just Mm. quickly spun up a little Google spreadsheet and made it open to everybody. Said, look, hey, if you want to start a group or you want to be in a group, just put your information over here, kind of what you're looking for, what do you write, and we'll try to make some groups. And so people started just making their own screenwriting groups on that Google sheet. But when we got to about 500 people on there, it got really difficult to use. There's just too many, too many people messing with it. And um, it was also, I was kind of worried about privacy because it had a lot of people's mm-hmm. email addresses and stuff. I mean, you can't really, you know, you can't do too yeah. much to somebody with their email address, but you can spam them. You can annoy them. And so mm-hmm. I decided, listen, I'm going to make this into an app. And so that's what I did. And it's now, you can see it, it's in its, its very early beta stage. It is not fully complete. As you can tell, if you go there, it's only got text, um, excuse me, text on the front page. It's not, there's not even any you know, pretty graphics yet on there, but that's coming uh, very soon. 
Yeah, so people just they log in for free and you just go and you can create a group. You can tell people kind of what you're what you're looking for or you can go browse all the different groups and find one that's already going that sounds like something you want to be in. And yeah, it just helps you uh you know, get with other writers and have somebody to instead of just writing into the void and hoping it is good, having somebody to actually you know, read your stuff and talk to you about it. That sounds like an answer to so many writers' prayers. <laughs> it has been. I think, like, I immediately, I just sort of, when I first made the app, before I even made it, I put out another tweet and just said, hey, uh, anybody who found a writer's group through through this spreadsheet that I made, do uh, you want to talk to me about it? And I put a little link, and immediately 20 people signed up to talk to me about it. They were so excited to talk. And just tell me, like, oh, my God, this, you know, it's changed my life. And it helped me. I finally, you know, got really oh. good advice. There's one group that's one of the original early groups. They have broken up now, but for the best reason, because they're all so busy. They're all either they're working on TV shows <laughs> or they have movies coming out. Or they're just like they all, they all help each other succeed, which is just amazing to me. And, yeah, I, I just – it was something that didn't exist. People, you know, people will find writing groups, but being a screenwriter a lot of times can be kind of also – expensive because a lot of times you can pay for an expert to read your script or you can pay to enter a competition. And if nobody else has ever read your script and you pay to enter a competition and then you don't place in that competition at all, well, that can be very disheartening. So you Mm -hmm. don't know, you know, maybe you made some very rookie mistakes that could have easily been corrected by your screenwriting group. And, you know, you you could have done a lot better and that you wouldn't have paid, you know, $50 or $75 or something for that privilege. So I wanted something free. Mm-hmm. Just a, a kind of a first step for people who maybe, you know, and again, accessibility, democratization, you know, not everybody can go to film school. Not everybody can even take a little class like I took at Clayton State University. So I want everybody to have that just that free option to really you know, hone their writing skills. That. Oh, wow. You, you just got it. You just took care of everybody right there. And I thought I was <laughs> Auntie Mame. But yeah, right. And when I look at it, okay, if you go to um, on the website, it just says to get started uh, or the way it's, it's on the page, uh, notescommunity.com, uh, free app designed to help screenwriters of all levels find a screenwriting group, hone your craft, stay accountable, and band together with peers to advance your career. Yep. That is the primo. Uh, go and then it says all you do is create your profile find a group that's right for you request to join don't see a group that's right for you start one oh beautiful um <laughs> that that is just and you know it sounds so sensible and so uh, pragmatic so you think well why did nobody else come up with this so this is fantastic that was exactly what, what that's what i was going to say if you hadn't like, why does this not exist already? And it's just, mm-hmm. that's, that's you know, some of the things that seem the most sensible, or those are the kind of, that's the type of thing. It's just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I thought of this. Wow, that's great. By the way, if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Jennifer Dunn, screenwriter, filmmaker, um, creator of the app Notes Community to help writers find other writers to get into a group and, and share, uh, read each other's work. Give a little emotional support probably sometimes. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Jennifer's uh, short films, Why Doesn't She Leave? and Baby Shoes have both won awards on the film festival circuit. She's in pre-production on the com- coming-of-age horror story that she's already told us about. And it's just still creeping me out, so you know it's going to be good. Uh, <laughs> Grandpa, uh, your first one-hour drama television pilot, Birdsong, 
won the 2020 Atlanta Film Festival Block Competition Pilot Competition, the 2021 Creative Screenwriting Unique Voices Competition in Drama, and placed as finalist in multiple competitions including Screencraft, Cine Story, and We Screenplay. Um, you were in the Cine Story TV Writing Fellowship. I already mentioned that in New York Women in Film Writers Lab. So. Reading all that, and that's just the that's just the tip of the, um, the iceberg in the fancy cocktail, I guess. That's the um, that's why I haven't been able to get you on the show. You've been busy. Well, th- that is true, and that was no, we just never made it happen, Madam Perry. Well, but yeah, no, it's true. I I think I feel like in in screenwriting, you kind of have to have your fingers in many different pies, even more so than in a lot of other industries. Like, I think you can come up and be an accountant, and you do accounting all day, and maybe go to a couple accounting conferences a year, and you're set. But in, mm-hmm. in screenwriting and filmmaking, you know, I'm, like, currently, I am in post-production on a short film. I know two short films, I'm sorry. You know, I'm still looking at festivals with another short film, trying to figure out what festivals to put those in. And then, of course, I've, I'm writing pilots. I have pilots that I'm rewriting right now at the suggestion of executives and things like that to make it more you know, something that they might want to, to buy from me, which, of course, is very important. I would love to have a television show bought and, and you know, actually get made. It would be That would be the dream. Um, yeah, so yeah, in, in screenwriting, you just really it's, – it's never ending. You're never just like, hey, I have nothing to do. You're never bored. Okay, I can imagine. Yes, I can imagine. Um, yeah, never bored. Uh, because you're always you don't have time to be bored. You don't have enough downtime to be bored. But uh, what what kind of question do you get asked most from people who want to uh, be screenwriters and, and filmmakers? What what are the people? I mean, there's got to be some question that you get here sure. over and over and over. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, you hear well, you hear a lot of formatting questions, which you think would be silly. Like it's it's like you know if you're a novel writer asking like you know shut up the period here, where does the comma go? But for screenwriting, it's a little bit different because actually that's the formatting is so important because the script is also a blueprint for you know for people to actually make a movie or make a television show. So the formatting is important. For example, on each of your scene headings called slug lines, you have to say if it's daytime or nighttime, and that is not just um, you know, it's not idle. You have to know when you're shooting the film, like, hey, does it need to be dark outside or does it need to be light outside? <laughs> That's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty important. So things like formatting, you get a lot of questions like that. So definitely, the good thing about that, though, you can Google every question under the sun about the formatting type thing. And then, of course, the second one is, like, how do I, and that was actually Diana's question, too, but it's, you know, how do I get something made? And for me, I think try to make things yourself. Now, the thing, you know, you're not going to make, you know, Jurassic Park yourself, clearly, but trying to make things yourself and sort of learning um, is, again, I think the best thing to do just because you're not going to be great at anything. Jurassic Park is nobody's first movie. So you have to just get out there and sort of learn the basics, just really, really learn by doing because it's definitely a craft, and I definitely learn stuff every single day. I learn things from, like, individual tweets on Twitter. I learn things from being on set. I learned things from talking to my friends who were on set. And, yeah, just, you know, get out, get out there and do it, I think is my, my big piece of advice to the – and well, my big answer to the question of people saying, hey, how do I get things made? Oh, and I guess, okay, my third point then would be also networking. I know a lot of writers, we're very shy, um, and we, we don't want to network, and we don't want to sort of toot our own horns and say how great we are. But in this business, it's also about who you know. 
And it may not be, you know, if your scripts are terrible, it doesn't matter who you know unless you're, you know, a, a, a super billionaire, you're, you know, Spielberg's son or something like that, Well, which I shouldn't even – I don't know who Spielberg's son is. He's probably great. But <laughs> those people, you know, you can – those people, you know, they, they're, they're tickets written. But if you, you know, you know everybody in the world, but your scripts are no good, they're still not going to get made. But if you have great scripts and you never talk to anybody, then your scripts are also not going to get made. So getting out there and connecting with a network of your peers. And also, like, kind of on that note, too, don't try to go out there and connect with oh, Holly Hunter. I would love Holly Hunter to be in a bunch of my shows. I love her, and I've, I've written a character for her. But I'm not trying to go, you know, knock on Holly Hunter's door and get her attention. I'm trying to meet people who are sort of at my same level um, in the industry. And then we, as we each sort of move up, we, we have each other's backs and we work together. And I think that's very important too. So instead of thinking of networking as trying to go out there and meet, you know, I don't know, Quentin Tarantino, think of it as going out there and meeting people who are at your same level, who are trying to do the same thing that you're doing. And then, you know, when the tide comes in, all the boats will rise. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> that that says it all. That's the best. Uh, aren't you just so glad you took that film class? Yes. Oh my goodness. I I had actually watched a TED talk where somebody said something about I was I was just kind of feeling kind of listless. I didn't really know what I wanted to be doing with the rest of my life. I was in kind of a good stopping spot in my career in my my tech career. Even though I still work in tech, like unfortunately, yes, I still have to have a. Um, a day job or I'm, I'm self-employed. So I still have to have day clients. Unfortunately, I cannot make all my money from filmmaking, which would be very nice. But I wasn't kind of a, kind of a rut. I was kind of tired of tech. And I saw a TED Talk and somebody, I don't even remember who it was, just said, to find your passion, just pursue what makes you curious. So I met these people, these filmmakers and from this, uh, this class, and I was just really curious about it. And the more I talked to them, just the more I was like, oh, man, that sounds fun. Oh, yeah, I really want to try that. And so I just ended up taking the class, even though it was about a two-hour commute from me. Uh, twice a week to go down to the class. I mean, it was not it was you know, not convenient for me at all, but it really just changed my life for the better. Mm. That's fantastic. Do you still in touch with anybody that you went to school with in those classes? Oh yeah, almost everybody. That's the other thing. You really you get when you're on a film set for, with somebody for twelve hours and everybody's nerves are really strung out. Yeah, you become very close. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is so. It's like you might have just been, I mean, even like I said, even like on the Stranger Things or whatever, you know, by the second night of that, yeah, it's like your old pals. It's like you're in camp together. I was thinking, I just met this person 48 hours ago, but it's like we all hang out together. We all watch out for each other and stuff. So, Or it's like you're in a foxhole together somewhat, especially when things kind of get bad. (laughs) It's like, oh, my God, I'm glad you're here. That's true. <laughs> so very true. Oh, wow. Jennifer, I, I am just so thrilled uh, to get to talk to you. And I know I haven't had enough time to really cover everything you do. And I'm so grateful, as busy as you are, that, that you carved out time for me here. And this, uh, I just wish you all the best. If there's, if there's anything that the Madame Perry Salon community can do for you, Please don't ask, just tell, okay? Just tell me. And for everyone listening, um, since a lot of people listen to the show in their cars or when they're running or something, you know, when they're traveling, I will be having the uh, links to Jennifer Dunn's website, uh, Copperhead Media, also to uh, 
notes community, the app. I will share that on all of my social media, not just Madam Perry Salon, but my personal social media as well as my business, which is Lone Wolf Communications Publicity. Uh, you know, funny thing, if you ever need a publicist for a film, let me tell you, I studied film unit publicity under uh, the esteemed Henri Bollinger at UCLA. Well, several years ago. No, I did not know this, but yes, I, I do need a film publicist. Okay, we'll talk. I'll, all right. I was working uh, for a company that hired me to work on um, HBO film documentary premieres and the publicity for that, as well as Feld Entertainment, mm-hmm. like High School Musical on Eyes. I handle all their Spanish social media in, in, um, in, in Atlanta and so forth. But I did the other, like all across the country for the HBO. But I remember that but this person um, that hired me also paid for me to take this course uh, because we were working so well together. And one of the first things I learned, now I don't know if, I don't, I don't get the feeling you've, you've really utilized this part of film unit publicity. I don't know. No, not but a I'm bit. Gonna tell, no. Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. Um, I, was on a, I was on a radio show and somebody asked me, what's the difference between regular PR publicity and film unit? And I said, well, regular stuff for a business, you got to worry about damage control sometimes. But with film unit publicity, are you ready for this? We were taught, and this is what they do, they schedule their leaked scandals. Awesome. I know. I know. It's awesome. Oh, I need a candle. Oh, I'm so excited. Wow. You know what? I mean, I believe it. I 100% believe that these, these things were leaked. For sure, some yeah. things. Because they got to make sure, even more now, they got to make sure that you're going to come and buy a ticket because people aren't getting those seats anymore. So, yeah, it's like, okay, so I'll be going, uh, uh, Miss Dunn, uh, when are we going to have the uh, story about this one and that one? You know, when are we going to spend that out? You know, that's that's so that's like a that's like a drama in itself, you know. I'd like it I'd is. like to write a story about a woman who's somebody whose job is to leak stuff on schedule. Oh my god, yeah. You need I mean, I was gonna say you need a script for the leaks. But you need somebody yeah. who's who's got a good imagination just to even make up the scandal. Like, oh <laughs> <laughs> well, how fun. This oh, you know what? I always suspected that some of these uh some of these leaks or some of these people who we see suddenly dating on the red carpet and stuff like that. I'm like, ah, I wonder if that's for publicity. How interesting. Yeah, and see, as soon as you heard that, didn't you think, well, that makes sense. I see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, I, I look forward to uh, meeting you in real life somewhere sometime. Um, you understand my accent perfectly, and uh, that's great, too. And I, I wish you every every bit of success and everything you want. And, of course, you always have a home. You always have a big fluffy cushion of your own right here in the genie bottle, Jennifer Dunn. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Madam Perry. This has been wonderful. And thank you, dear. All right. So I'm going to close out with a song. It's my song, but it's got my personal motto in it. Everybody's got a swing. So everybody be good to each other. Be good to yourself. Everybody's got the swing. I love you all. Well, Bye. when you were the napkin, swinging everything you did, you jumped and jive and bop and sing, saying everybody's got the swing. But mom and pop were right on time. They helped up all your nurses. Hello.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.